Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The New York Yankees swept aside the New York Mets. Thanks to Max Mallow for taking on co-hosting duties on Monday. Sorry, we kicked his ass out of the Bronx. Loser. Huge loser. The New York Yankees are now on a three-game win streak. Upping their August win total to seven, which is still an unbelievable number. But you know what? Three of them are in a row. And when things are in a row, that means they're good automatically. There's nothing wrong with the Yankees right now whatsoever. An exciting new relief prospect, Greg Weissert, is coming up. I wonder what the corresponding move is for that. Oh, it's Nestor Cortez to the IL. Is it a phantom IL stint? I don't know. You you probably think it is, but I don't know why you'd give the Yankees the benefit of the doubt there. And even if it is just another reason to keep Jordan Montgomery in the fold down the stretch, even if you didn't intend to use him in October because pitchers matter. They're pretty important. Being a pitcher is sort of a huge thing. You need a starting pitcher every game. Uh, we've already got our friend drunk in the comments thanking us for Jordan Montgomery. Buddy, it's not going to last. He will not be doing this in two weeks. Be grateful for what you've gotten so far, I promise you. Uh, but the Yankees certainly could use this version of Jordan Montgomery. They could use a worse version of Jordan Montgomery. They could use the worst version of Jordan Montgomery with Clark Schmidt coming in from the bullpen in the fourth inning to help him out. Instead, they're going to move Clark Schmidt to the rotation. Luis Severino gets back on September 11th. And the Jordan Montgomery trade, I'm sadly going to have to downgrade it from an F to an F-. minus. Nestor no longer available, whether he's healthy or not. This is such an embarrassing look for Brian Cashman in the front office. Apparently, though, apparently could have had Pablo Pablo Lopez to, to be that extra pitcher. And we learned a little bit more this morning about why that didn't happen. Uh, so apologies to Brian Cashman if we were like, hey, this deal fell apart. And Brian Cashman got blindsided. If this was the ask, it wasn't even close. Thanks to Ken Rosenthal. We now know more about that potential deal. We'll take you behind the curtain there and talk more about how the Yankees trade deadline unraveled again we're still talking about the trade deadline it's August 25th and the reason we're doing that is because the team 
despite this three-game winning streak where they won every single game four to two, is still in shambles. And and whether it's Nestor innings management or Nestor really being injured or whatever this is, uh, they could clearly use an extra pitcher or two, and they only added one pitcher and subtracted one, so they didn't even get an extra pitcher at all. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. I'll answer it. It's fine. I'll, I'll answer some questions now. I mean, again, three wins. The Yankees' uh, lead could have been perilously down into the dirt by now. Could have been four and a half or four games. It's seven and a half and eight. The Rays never lose. The Rays are playing uh, an interesting part of their schedule. Royals, Angels, Angels, Royals, 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 Red Sox, Royals. Back to the Royals. Uh, five in KC, five at home. It never ends. They they play bad teams constantly. Uh, and and the Jays are in Boston. The Rays are going to Boston. The Boston Red Sox doing us no favors. Uninvited from the Thanksgiving dinner. I hate this team. Uh, but the Yankees are are uh, static. They're they're finding their footing again. Tom Terranante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I don't think winning three, four, two games in a row is cause to say parade back on. But it's nice, and there were moments in all three of those games where things could have turned around, uh, and the Yankees could have fallen flat, and they could have had the bullpen. The, the bullpen literally could have blown all three of those games, the, the last one against the Jays and the two Subway Series games. They didn't blow any of them. So they went a perfect 3-0 in games where they could have easily gone 0-3 and had gone 0-3 in previous archetypes of those games from the rest of the month of August. All that to say, fine, not bad. Yeah, look, got Mets fans off our backs, which is great. Um, I know all Mets fans are not of that, you know, you know, subscribe to that shit, but we got the worst of the worst off our back. Now it's a split. Can't really say much. Um, and you drop the first three of the Jays, which sucks. But guess what? You win the last one against Manoa, who's largely been really good um, against you. So I'm not saying it's a narrative shift, but remember last year when the Yankees would always lose the worst games of the series? Um, you could say that against the Rays and then against the Jays, they won the best games of the series for the way that they were playing. So silver lining here, dog days of August. Let's not get too down on ourselves. Um, and uh, you simply have to give props where props are due. Um, Frankie Montas, rock solid start. Some dumb defensive uh, shortcomings on the Yankees end. You know, I but end up making both of those uh, runs earned. I think maybe they shouldn't have been. Domingo Herman, another faceoff with Max Scherzer, another solid outing, very good outing. Um, and then you have uh, Cortez, obviously, who went on the IL Sunday against Alec Manoa. And props to Garrett Cole. I give Garrett Cole so much shit. We talked about it when Max was here. You were not, but um, I need to kind of say this in front of you. So. I feel like somebody's hearing it. Somebody who knows that I talk shit on Garrett Cole constantly. Badass move to come out of the dugout. Fucking love it. Um, would I have rather him start a fight? Sure. Would that have been the smart decision? No. Um, Alec Manoa also coward. Um, so I like that. Um, starting, you know, starting the tensions with the Jays. I love that energy. So maybe that slowly shifted the tides here. Um, but like you said, nothing to be really excited about 12 runs over your last three games. Um, and then if you really want to, uh, backdate it, um, it's 16 runs over the last six games. Not good. Um, thankfully seven, uh, seven game West coast road trip. Now A's and angels. If there was ever a time for Nestor Cortez to go in the IL, it is now we'll get to that in a moment though. Subway series got the sweep. 
pretty much exactly what the Yankees needed. Um, I saw that funny tweet about that Mets fan who was like, oh, my God, I can't believe like the the uh, who hit the blooper into right that went like in between all the defenders. Um, was it Benintendi on that the one? Trevino, the, the Pete Alonso. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, this Mets fan was like, oh, my God, Jeff McNeil rips one into the gap and it's caught. Brandon Nimmo hits one to the warning track and it's out. and The Yankees are hitting bloopers. It's like, yeah, man. I mean, that's kind of what happens in baseball. You get lucky or unlucky. So um, just as the last Subway Series was, um, this could have flipped directly in the Mets' direction as things could have ended much differently at City Field had a few bounces gone right for the Yankees or had Aaron Judge actually made contact with the pitch at City Field. Um, I was most impressed by the pitching, um, though. Um, the Mets had been coming out of that series against uh, the Phillies riding high. That Sunday comeback was absolutely incredible. Um, Mark Hanna with the five RBIs, the go-ahead homer in the ninth. Um, so this team was hot, and the Yankees were down. That one win against the Jays was not changing any narrative for the Yankees. Um, so you got to give it up to Herman for tossing that good outing. The bullpen holding strong. Um, a lot of timely hits. Andrew Benintendi coming back from the dead. Coming back, from, and it's because I wrote an article about it. It's because I said – yeah. It's because I wrote about Cashman trading for Benintendi about one of the moves that's going to kill the 2022 Yankees. If you need me to do anything for you guys, any of you guys out there, you need me to reverse any fortunes, I'll write about it and give the exact perspective I have, and the reverse will come true. Um, so if Benintendi has anybody to thank at this moment, I think I maybe deserve an edible arrangement of sorts. A uh, small one. Do you Doesn't want have- that? Do you want that? It's like pineapple and chocolate. That, I lo- that, yeah, you really I like want that? chocolate, yeah. I would do it. All right. If, yeah, it depends. Hey, whatever, whatever he wants, I'll take. Um, but yeah, reverse of fortune there. I uh, really can't give the guy enough credit. All those hits are timely. All those hits dig the Yankees out um, from tough situations, take pressure off the bullpen, take pressure off the rest of the lineup. Um, so it's good to kind of see that turnaround happening after, you know, it's just weird how this works sometimes. And it's hard to not get mad at the players and it's hard to not get mad at the front office because you make these deadline deals And in so many years past, you're thinking, oh, this guy should be pumped to be a Yankee or, oh, the front office probably did the right analysis here to bring in the correct player that fits the system. Right. And then you have a guy like Gallo last year who should be fine, but, you know, should be fine with the short portion. Right. Pop up should be going out. Can't even make contact. Forgets I hit fastball middle middle. You have, um, uh, you know, Sonny Gray come here years back. Lance Lynn come here years back. Um, you know, Ben Intendi come around, come here this year, Frankie Montas come here this year, and the starts are just so abysmal. And it's like, what are we doing, man? Is the front office going for the wrong people? Are these people just not as good as we think they are? Like, it's incredibly frustrating because right at the trade deadline, it also is narrative fit. Right at the trade deadline, we needed these sparks. We didn't get the sparks. The shitty play rolled on for another two, three weeks. And now here we are slowly digging out of it. So, um, I hope that little adjustment period for Benintendi and Montas may be signing things to come. David Cohn talked today about uh, or yesterday about how um, he might see an adjustment in Montas's approach, pitch selection, how he's attacking hitters. Could be different. You never know. You never know how it works with these people. But um, uh, Subway Series sweep, really good way to kind of start off this. Uh, you know, this is a 10-game road trip. The Yankees are on the West Coast. Then come back for, uh, to play Tampa for three next weekend. Um, Oakland sucks. The angels suck. So, um, 
the way the Yankees are playing, I, I'm happy with five of seven. Um, yeah. I think this should be six of seven, though. Um, but you absolutely have to come out of here winning five. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think the subway winning those two games in the subway series was a really good start for them to give themselves some confidence, some sort of springboard to go ahead to the end of August and turn things around when September arrives. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, the Yankees bought themselves an extra one by taking both of the Subway Series games instead of just one. I feel like I would have been satisfied with split and five of seven. Then I got greedy. Then they justified me getting greedy by taking a both by the same score. And again, all three of those wins could have flipped. But it's so, and this is people who get mad at Yankee fans for being down in the dumps. This was fuel for them because we were all going on Saturday, like, all right, so Cole implodes. Now we got Manoa and Scherzer, Herman and DeGrom in a row. So we're just going to extend this losing streak all the way into the West Coast swing. And then, of course, the people who say that, oh, you always get what you want. Like, we beat Manoa, we beat Max Scherzer, and we beat, uh, you know, not DeGrom, but held serve. They do Taiwan Walker. And then the self-hating Yankee fan is like, ah, we, I wish we would have got a shot. Now we're going to lose to Taiwan Walker. No worse than losing to DeGrom. And we hold serve there. And it's a 2-2 game when he exits, and then we go to town on the Mets bullpen. Anytime some old Yankee friends pop into the conversation, it's always a welcome reunion. Love to see Joely Rodriguez in there in the seventh. Thanks for coming. Nothing but meatballs down the middle. Benintendi, lefty on lefty, just giving him a 94-mile-an-hour fastball center cut. No problem. Serve that through the hole. Benintendi is a professional hitter. Uh, this podcast is going to ignore for a second that Joey Gallo has the highest OPS of any player traded at the trade deadline. That never happened. So don't even think about it. That's not real. Uh, but Ben Intendi puts bat on ball. 
there's a guy in scoring position. He's going to knock him in, especially the last three days. He has the game-winning hit in all three of these 4-2 wins, by the way. The two-run shot against Adam Simber, who's an underrated Yankees enemy on Sunday. We never hit that dude. No. Ben and Teddy hits the game-winning two-homer off him. Uh, ben and Teddy hits the double that puts Yankees up 3-0 in the game that they ultimately win 4-2. So that's you know not a tie-breaking hit or whatever, but it's still a game-winner. The game-winning run was the third run, and he yes. knocked it in. And then on Tuesday, right after the momentum slows and the Glaber play and his brain turns to ice, uh, Ben and Tenny's <laughs> wanted to deliver the tie-breaking run. And then guess who shows up? Uh, Joely Rodriguez, it was nice to see you at a pleasant college reunion. Love when the 2021 Yankees show up uh, to face me on other teams. Oh, here comes Adam Ottavino. Missed you, bud. Uh, a 2020 Yankees reunion. He was uh, He's a fun story. He's a fun case. He, he went to the Red Sox last year. And we all said, all right, enjoy him when October comes. Red Sox fans said, I don't think so. He's actually pretty kick-ass. And if you look at his FIP with you guys, he was actually pretty top-notch. And we're like, all right, well, we'll see you when October comes. And they were like, oh, May, he's buzzsawing you. He he owns lefties, and you line up, you're adding more lefties. You guys are so dumb. And we go, all right, see you when October comes. And then his September was abysmal. And he fell apart as the wheels fell off the Red Sox. And he was basically unusable by the time the playoffs rolled around. He blew the ALCS. Got him. Blew the ALCS for them, uh, which is in October. The ALCS is in October, and he was terrible in that. Uh, so he he shows up, saunters into this Mets Yankee series, and they're showing his numbers. And he's actually red hot. And he's actually managed to maintain it through August. And I'm like, I'm still happy to see him. Like I'm never not happy to see him. And Aaron Judge gets a hanger, a loopy little 82 mile an hour nothing, and he rips it into the gap. Four two game. Obviously got a little too close for comfort in the ninth. We'll talk about the whole Clark Schmidt thing in a little bit because I do think it's interesting. I'm not sure what he is, and he's about to be a starter, and I want him to be a starter long-term, I think. He keeps getting used for these three-inning saves. I don't think he's the kind of guy who, when he empties the tank, I don't think it helps that much. I think mm. when you have a bullpen that's losing weapons day after day and like our oldest Chapman is still there, but he looks like garbage – and he's not a weapon. I mean, he's he's mentally lost. Again, when you're losing bullpen weapons every day, it's tempting to say, hey, I want Clark Schmidt in there because I know he's a major league pitcher and I know he can get outs. But he was trying to get the last out of that Mets game, and he lost his way. With two strikes and two outs on Tyler Naquin, he starts trying to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. He's not a closer, and that's not like an indictment on him. I think he's a number three starter. Like, I, I think he's a guy who could eventually have a good major league career in a rotation, maybe a three, maybe a four, but he's certainly not somebody who can like dot 99 or like has this disgusting put away slider that on one, two, you're like, here it comes. He's going to bounce it and he's still going to whiff. He's not Edwin Diaz. And so he's trying to close out that game. And he starts trying to throw a hundred miles an hour. Cones like he's flying open. He lost his release point, et cetera. Um, like I, I love him in the bullpen because they've already lost Chapman and Holmes and Chad Green. So having a guy who can eat three innings is great. And he got in and out of a lot of trouble in that game. And congrats to him. But I think he's a starter. It's not like I'm not losing him from the bullpen. And I'm like, well, there goes my closer. Like, I'm just losing him from the bullpen. And I'm like, that's a quality arm I could have used at the bullpen. It makes the Jordan Montgomery trade all the worse. But the Yankees do sweep this Subway Series. Skin of their teeth. All these games are tight. The two Mets games are great. Mets fans are wonderful too, because uh, they don't they don't seem to understand how hypocritical they are. And at least I think we have that self awareness. Like 
if what the Yankees just did had happened to the Red Sox, I would be screaming like, of course this happened to you. Like beating those aces after losing a million straight games to nondescript pitchers. I would be like, yes, of course you got that. You always get what you want. And I know I'd be saying that. But Mets fans, last month, the Yankees had Domingo Herman fresh off getting whipped by the Astros and a struggling Jordan Montgomery start those two games at City Field. They didn't do anything to move them around. They just said, we're going into this series with two mismatches. We're statistically unlikely to win either of those games. And they don't. And that's because the Yankees view this season as a bigger picture than just we got to win the Mets series. They view the season as a 162-game marathon. That's why Luis Severino is on the IL for 60 games. That's why people think Nestor's on the IL. We'll talk conspiracy theories. Who knows? Either way, the Yankees aren't going to sacrifice everything just to beat the Mets at City Field. They're like, oops, the rotation lined up with Domingo Herman. He's who's pitching. Of course, he loses to Scherzer, but doesn't get whipped, and he's actually good enough that he gets to stick in the rotation. He's actually found his sea legs since then. Pretty weird. And then Montgomery is terrible, and they lose both those games. And Yankee fans are like, I don't think the Yankees care that much. They didn't prioritize these games, <clears throat> which is true. And Mets fans are like, so what? The Yankees didn't care because they had Domingo pitching? Well, guess what? He's in your rotation. So get a better rotation. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I hear you. But now, all of a sudden, the Yankees have won these games. Buck Showalter has DeGrom going for the second one and then goes, actually, we want to give him more rest, so we're moving him to Colorado. Isn't that the same thing? Mets clearly aren't going all out to win the Subway Series either. They could have started DeGrom in the second game, and they said, no, we'd rather focus on the big picture. That's the same thing you yelled at Yankee fans for pointing out a month ago. And then you get the Mets fans going, uh, we're stinging balls into the gap, and they're getting caught. And the Yankees are winning on these stupid bloops to Pete Alonso. And it's like, same deal. Same as you said, hey, Domingo Herman's your rotation. Hey, Pete Alonso's your defense. Catch a pop-up. Hey, what do you want? You're going to blame the Yankees for the Mets making defensive blunders? Catch a pop-up. You look like the Phillies. And what are we doing here? All of a sudden, we're flip-flop. Like, you say, oh, Yankee fans, you know, you're making excuses for your bad roster. Mets fans, you're making excuses for your bad defense. And also, your manager scratched a pitcher. So clearly, the 162-game grind is more important to you guys than winning the Subway Series, too. Does that make sense? Or you guys just not care? You guys just don't want to get it through your head? Mets fans are getting weird, dude. They're like, yeah, they think there's a conspiracy. They think that other teams are laying down in front of the Braves. They think the Pirates are, like, waving the white flag so that the Braves can keep <laughs> winning. Like, Mets fans with a division lead and an owner who cares are getting weird. They're acting like – they're, they're both too cocky and acting like the curse has already happened and the fix is already – very strange behavior. I don't think they know what thing to be annoyed at. I think it's because they've quickly inherited the everybody, you know, us against everybody mentality after just being, you know, kind of the doormat for so long. And they don't know how to embrace, they don't know how to embrace, you know, having this uh, us versus everybody mentality or, you know, being at the top and having to constantly uh, take shots from whoever is coming up to, to kind of catch them in the standings. Like the Austin Riley thing cracked me up reporter hey like you're going to face the Mets soon what's that hey we're coming for them they're like oh this piece of shit thinks he's gonna beat us what the who who does he think he is like and then now they're documenting how many wins the Braves or you know how the Braves were losing after Austin Riley's comment it's like 
it's not like they were like, hey, Austin, how you doing today? He's like, I'm getting ready to kick the Mets' ass in three days. That's really exciting. I wake me. up every day thinking about yeah. kicking the Mets' ass. It's oh, like, weird, dude. Yeah. So we, I, I think they don't know how to – they don't know how to embrace this because they ne- – because even the year they went to the World Series, they were a wild card team, right? They weren't – they didn't win the division that year, did they? Uh, I think they did. But they? I, I they, they beat the Either way, when they, yes. when they win divisions or when they're up at top of the division, there's always they're always looking over their shoulder because of, you know, the September collapses that they've had over, you know, in, in recent modern history. So, hey, I like Mets fans, most of them. I think they you know, maybe embrace this new role where, you know, you're at the top and, you know, you got to deal with taking shots from other people. Um, but you know, don't be, don't be so conspiracy just yet. Yeah. Yeah. We've earned Yankees fans have earned conspiracies potentially going against them because there's been dominance for 20 years and there's been Yankees hatred for over a century now. Um, so, you know, your franchise just popped into existence in 1962. You weren't really relevant for much. You haven't been really relevant for much of that time. I get it. It's a tough life out there as a sports fan. Um, but you know, just learn how to ease into the role. And I think, I, I think you'll be fine. Enjoy the ride. I don't actually, get yeah. I, I actually don't like Mets fans. I don't think most of them, I don't like, I don't like the new thing that's happening. I, I used yeah. to, and I have plenty of friends who are Mets fans, but this year has been really weird. And they're like, did you see they're bringing, uh, the trumpet guy, Edwin Diaz's trumpet guy to play his entrance live, not before game one of the world series, but before I like a it. regular season Dodgers game in a week. Like that's definitely the moment it's an overreach. where I were what it's an overreach, but it's cool. Yeah. Like imagine it's if the Yankees cool. did anything close to that cool, but like the Mets are now jumping a little bit, you know, like I said, they're not embracing, they're jumping a little bit too far. Now they're yeah. having trumpet guy play a regular season game against the Dodgers. Like that's just going to set yourself up for some sort of criticism. Some it's sort cool. of failure. It's just the it's just the thing that like every every Met fan knows like this isn't gonna end well. Like <laughs> smart ones, the smart ones know like mm, I think people are gonna be framing the trumpet guy game for a while. Like closers <laughs> don't stay perfect, they just don't. So like if Edwin D like you do that on opening day to celebrate him going like forty eight for forty nine. You don't do that at the end of August against the team you're trying to face in the NLCS. It's 41 and nine in their last 50. Because I don't know if Diaz is going to blow a save in this series, but I know that if they face him in October, they're going to be like, this fucking guy hired the trumpet guy to play live during our regular season game. So let's, let's start staring at some sliders in the dirt instead of swinging at them. How about that? Uh, Speaking of sliders, The Yankees called up a disgusting slider merchant today. Greg Weissert, who we've been clamoring for a call up for quite a while, is joining the team in Oakland. Kind of a shocking one. I've been asking for this for so long. Greg's uh, Greg's dad is a follower on Twitter. And every time we write about him, he'll retweet. He'll he'll like the like the commentary, et cetera. Mr. Weissert. Um, Mr. Weissert. But it always felt like a long shot. He wasn't on the 40 man. It kind of felt like I was writing into a void basically saying like hey for next year you guys should consider this dude but for this year it's probably not going to happen and we understand why because you got to make a 40-man move but the Yankees have kind of been making 40-man moves too like they were so precious all offseason about the 40-man and then all of a sudden like Luke Bard is here and and there was a guy on the 40-man for like a week whose name I already forgot it was on the trade that like Carlos S. 
Espinal or something. The, the the day they moved Severino to the 60 day, they like put a triple A reliever on the 40 man. Oh, yeah. like, Wait, what's going on here? And then he got DFA too. It's all weird, but it's been a little easier for them to find room. So I felt like I was talking for next year, but then, Hey, if you want to do it, do it. We've been hearing for two days that it was a realistic possibility. Then we heard this morning that like, it's going to happen, but there's a, pitcher who's injured who will hit the il as the corresponding move because this whole time i was kind of like is luke bard gonna get dfa'd or like maybe albert abreu who's useless goes to the 60-day il we never hear about him again then there's an injury and so you're like well chapman's been terrible maybe he's hurt or maybe it's like lou trevino who threw 38 pitches the other day to close out again. i mean the yankees again the three-game winning streak you got trevino going two and a third innings with 30 whatever pitches that's how you secure one of the games then you go four outs jonathan loisaga that's how you secure another one and then clark schmidt for 60 pitches before you turn to wandy peralta getting out of that jam gets lindor just like he got freddie freeman last year it's all fun and games but none of those saves were caught you know conventional at all efros gets hurt in the interim like and you're kind of like we don't have a bullpen so when you hear they're calling up weiser you're like Either get rid of a like move a Brayu further. I think you could move Harrison Bader to the 60 day theoretically because he's already been on the IL for 60 days, so it doesn't even change his timeline. There are things you can do, but I was really hoping that it was like injured Chapman or worst case scenario, injured Trevino because he threw all those pitches. And it's like, ah, two steps forward, one step back. We're losing a guy that suddenly we trust now. We don't trust him because he's gone. We're losing all these guys we trust. And then it's all Schmidt and mirrors out of the bullpen, but nope. Weissert up for Nestor Cortez. Severino already on the IL for another couple of weeks. He feels good. Can't come till September 11th. We know that. People are pointing to a Nestor interview after his last start, which was again awesome, where he said he feels fine. He knows everybody's concerned with his innings, but trust him, he feels fine. People are pointing to that, saying that this is a phantom stint. I sure hope it is. If it is, Find time to try it. If not, the Jordan Montgomery trade, which already looked like the worst trade, looks like the worst trade. Because at the time, the Yankees had already lost Severino from this quote-unquote ideal playoff rotation. And now they lose a second guy, whether it's by choice or not. So they're down to Tyone, not in the playoff rotation. Herman, not in the playoff rotation. Schmidt will slide in there, not in the playoff rotation. Colin Montas, theoretically, in the playoff rotation. We got two of those guys active right now even if jordan montgomery didn't have an 0.5 era with the cardinals this would be a situation where you'd be like wish we had that guy now it looks i mean literally f to an f minus to maybe like a j plus prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed subscription required individual results may vary additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com read all warnings before using glp1s side effects may include a risk of thyroid c-cell tumors do not use glp1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer if you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope did you know you can now access glp1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, it's the depth. And it wasn't even about, like we said, we knew Jordan Montgomery either wasn't starting in the postseason or we didn't really want it to happen because his starts kind of never materialize or give what the Yankees – they never gave the Yankees what they needed, but it kept the Yankees in the game, but it was never enough and it never made you feel good. That said, trading Jordan Montgomery and not having a contingency plan and essentially just replacing him with um, Frankie Montas had you sitting there and being like, okay, great. So the organization thinks, A, everybody is going to stay healthy until the end of the season, which is absolutely crazy, or B, the organization thinks they won't have to manage people's innings, which is also crazy because the most obvious candidate, the team's best pitcher, Nestor Cortez, is 38 innings above his career high in innings pitch this year um, after just 23 starts. Um, and you obviously have Severino, who um, before we knew he was, you, you know, before we knew he was going to the 60-day IL, you knew even if he was coming back, in, you know, if he was theoretically, if he came back last week, if that was a promising timeline for him, still would have taken him time to get back up to speed, still would have not, he still wouldn't have been fully unleashed just yet. Um, and, or the Yankees would have been cautious with his usage from the onset. Um, so you wouldn't have had a starter capable of going in six innings right off the bat, coming back from injury. And you probably, or you wouldn't have had a starter capable of giving you that length for the remainder of the season because of how little he's pitched since um, uh, the end of 2018. Uh, so that's why the trade sucks. Monty doing well in St. Louis is a twofold problem. One, it just looks like a bad trade because Harrison Bader is not ready and is not playing, and you just traded an asset for something that can't contribute. Um, and two, what does it say about George Montgomery leaving the Yankees? and already performing better than he ever has. Never had a stretch like this with the Yankees, did he? Don't think so. No, don't think he no. has. So I don't know what that says. You have Joey Gallo having the best OPS of any player acquired at the deadline. Um, I don't know what this says about New York. I don't know what it says about the fans. I don't know what it says about Brian Cashman. I don't know what it says about the team. I don't know what it says about Aaron Boone. But something has to be to blame. You have Andrew Heaney last year who was never really good, but then came here and it completely unraveled. Um, I mentioned Sonny Gray and Lancelin before the Yankees couldn't get enough out of them or, you know, um, 
or didn't utilize them properly, don't know what it is. And then they go elsewhere and they're absolutely dominant. So something, I need an explanation about one thing. Um, either way, look, if there's any time for Nestor to go in the IL, whether it's a real injury or a phantom stint, um, it's right now. You have these seven games. Um, I think you could do without Nestor for uh, the Rays series, honestly. Um the, the Yankees outside of playing their worst baseball of the season have been fine against the Rays. Um, and they still have the, they still have okay enough pitching to get through a three game series against them. So um, if the Yankees want to give them a rest and this was the strategy, um, I think it was a shrewd one because the schedule is not very intense right now. They just got through their hardest, probably two week stretch of the year um, while playing their worst baseball. So not entirely not entirely damning right here. I think we can get through it. I think we'll be okay. Um, and Domingo Herman is kind of like, you know, like I said before, he stepped up a little bit. If Frankie Montas is turning this corner where he's kind of rediscovered himself and has figured out a new way to pitch um, in this new setting, then you're looking at a completely different situation. But the goal hopefully is um, uh, having Nestor up to speed at full strength, ready to go in the postseason. Cause I asked Max the other day, man, it's not it's it's not going to happen, but should Nestor Cortez be a game one playoff starter? Should he? Yeah. I, I'm I'm literally just asking. Does anybody trust Garrett Cole at this point to get you a W in the first game of a playoff series? I know he's done it before for us. Um uh in 2020. He fell flat on his face against the Red Sox, so he's one for two. And the inconsistencies we've seen over the last two years. Uh, very concerning. So I think resting Nestor Cortez is of the utmost importance, whether he's starting a game one or not. He's going to need to pick up the pieces in game two, or he's going to need to get them off to the right start if Aaron Boom were to make that momentous of a decision, which again is not happening, but worth asking and worth talking about. Um, Nestor Cortez, most important pitcher, rest him, make sure he's okay. End of the story. Um, Yankees should still get five or six wins on this road trip. That's it. Hopefully. Yeah, and again, if Cortez is really hurt, that's that's terrible. Bad. Yeah, that that's bad. Really, really hurts the team. Uh, if he if he does feel fine, if he you know if he if he was telling the truth the other day when he said he feels fine, then yeah, we'll see him in ten days and we'll just say okay, great, thanks for resting. Uh, it makes the Rays series all the more difficult. They play the Rays six more times. They play the Red Sox six more times. They need the Red Sox to step up this weekend against the Rays. Be alive. Yeah. Defend your Lids. home turf. Just just be a, be a team. Be a Major League Baseball team this weekend against the Rays. Because Wander Franco's coming back. And Walmart goes already back. The Rays are getting better. Uh, the Rays pitching staff makes no sense. There's nobody in there who intimidates me. And yet they still... All they do is win baseball games. Well, uh, wow. Com- comment section absolutely blowing up about losing Nestor Cortez. Uh, we're not sugarcoating this. If they lose Nestor Cortez for real... If he actually is gone for a while, that's bad. There's no sugarcoating that. Yeah. They can lose him for 10 days. They, they can. Uh, and if they can't, then they're the most poorly built team in the world. And unfortunately, they do face <laughs> J.P. Sears in game two of this Oakland series, which is going to feel awesome. So just preparing everybody for that. Uh, Weissert is a sick move. I can't wait to see him. Yeah. Uh, going to maybe not watch J.P. Sears in the second game here. Yanks, Yanks need to take some from Oak- Oakland and Anaheim are two places they've historically struggled. And they just can't 
historically struggled. They can't play these series like they're playing the teams from history. Because this Angels team and this A's team are not the teams that they have struggled against on the road in the past. They just got to forget about the Coliseum. Uh, don't blow your division lead in Oakland. I know things have been getting blown in Oakland a lot recently, but don't <laughs> blow your division lead in Oakland. Don't. The cops are investigating that. How is that even an investigation? They're investigating the Yankees blowing a game in Oakland. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I, that's what I <sighs> Um, The Yankees could use some more pitching. They might have had Pablo Lopez at the deadline if things had broken their way. Yeah. Uh, I got bad news, though. This was never going to happen. Uh, the good news, Pablo Lopez has been quite terrible since the yeah. deadline. He has a five ERA in four starts in August. Dreadful. If you had that, you'd be upset. Oh, my God. I certainly Imagine. would be. Oh I don't God. want that. Uh, but Pablo Lopez was it was a Yankees target was maybe the guy we said the deal was done before they pulled back on the whole Montgomery thing and they couldn't renege and then oopsie daisy we still traded Jordan Montgomery we don't have Pablo Lopez Ken Rosenthal leaked some details today apparently that conversation was Pablo and infielder Miguel Rojas uh, good player good utility guy probably be getting some starts right now but kind of like a DJ LeMahieu type I don't know inspire me so much no probably oswaldo cabrera would not be up if he were here so you'd have lopez struggling and rojas instead of cabrera in exchange for glaber torres who's been very frustrating lately and oswald peraza both both of them for lopez who's been abysmal and who's cratered in the in the weeks that have just passed uh, of all the things you can get on the Yankees case for not doing it at the deadline, this is not one of them. What is that all about? That is, I mean, hey, look, once we caught wind of what the Marlins were asking for for Pablo Lopez with the Dodgers, Marlins reporter supposedly said it was Gavin Lux and three prospects. Fucking crazy, dude. Pablo Lopez, absolutely fine starter. Um, but... The Marlins have clearly taken team control to the next level um, in these discussions. Uh, this is the this is the first season ever in which Pablo Lopez has eclipsed 21 starts, um, and uh, he's previously had shoulder troubles. Um, he's uh, he's uh, 26 years old, which is obviously a, a solid age to get somebody, but he doesn't have overpowering stuff. Um, he walks people um he he's not really a power pitcher he doesn't it's a, it's like he's a good pitcher i'm not i'm not taking anything away from him but like I, to demand I think, I think yeah to demand what you're demanding like you got to be a little bit more realistic here he's a number three he's a number three um and to ask for that much is a lot that's the yankees top shortstop prospect at, or second uh Number two shortstop. Whatever he is at this point, he's a shortstop for now. Yeah. 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 Who's higher than Anthony Volpe. And then you're looking at Glaber Torres, who I would have been elated if the Yankees dealt him at the deadline. But at the time he was playing well, he had increased his value in no way. Do you part with an outside with Brian Cashman here? And then I will tear him down in a second Hmm. back at. So you, you, you rightfully back out of this deal. You understand the value that you possess in Oswald Peraza who they didn't have to give up for Frankie Montas, who is probably a better pitcher than Pablo Lopez. I think we could probably agree on that um, in terms of body of work and like 
the makeup of a pitcher you want in uh, game two or three of a postseason series. It's definitely more of a Frankie Montas than it is um, uh, than it is a Pablo Lopez. Um, so good on Brian Cashman for that. He read the market correctly. Boom, boom, boom. However, boom. however, you have 20 plus years in the business. You, whatever this plan was, whether Montgomery was actually planned to be dealt or not, um, if he was planned to be dealt and you had no contingency plan and this was it and you didn't approach that contingency plan until the buzzer at the deadline, then you're bad at your job. That's number one. If Montgomery was decided to be dealt at the last second and then you decided, hey, let me go over to the rookie GM in Miami and see if they can swing a deal with me at the last second. So you're the general manager of the New York Yankees and you're going to approach the Marlins who have been recently run by Kim Ng, who is probably kind of a little bit in flux after Jeter's departure after, you know, not being able to bring in the requisite talent to supplement all these other younger guys. And what do you think she's going to do as a young, especially a female in the position, because they're, she's the first female general manager in the history of Major League Baseball. Do you think that you're going to just get out of here with the deal that you want? Do you think going up, you think a veteran ma- a GM of 20 plus years working for the most prestigious um, baseball franchise in the entire world is going to waltz into Miami and try to pluck uh, pluck off an asset with team control for a team that values team control because they don't have the money to pay for players, and you think you're going to actually be able to get out of there without surrendering whatever serious assets they might be asking for? Yes, this was a, a mass. This would have been a massive overpay. But what what do you expect going into a market with a team like this with not many starting pitchers available? You're you backed yourself into a corner. And then you created a need when there didn't have to be one. And you actually dealt a starting pitcher in a market where the starting pitching was thin and you didn't get anything good enough in return. Harrison Bader still, you know, jury's still out. We'll figure He's it out. Ass. He's, no, no. Harrison Bader has completely changed the complexion of this team. They don't win the Subway Series without his butt slaps. He was the first one out of the dugout smacking ass that series. He, he, he totally turned the tide. Yeah, no, we know nothing about Harrison Bader. And we're talking about him going to the 60-day IL before we're talking about him playing a game. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's where you have to kind of pin it on Cashman. It's like, great, if this was the last second, if you didn't have a notebook out thinking, okay, who are the starting pitchers available? Who are the GMs I could talk to that I know I have a good rapport with or I know I have a good relationship with and I can get this get a deal together relatively fast and have it materialize um, as quickly as possible if I were to make a move of this magnitude? Um because then that's coupled with Clark Schmidt going down and then you're building him back up as a starter um, and Ron Marinaccio going down at the time who was the hottest reliever and still is the hottest reliever. Um, so I don't, uh, the approach here is crazy. We can blame the Marlins all we want for pulling the rug out from underneath the deal. Um, if that were the case, um, Brian Cashman should have known what he was getting into in these types of talks at the time and dealing with the magnitude of what they were. Um, clearly, I don't think there was a gauge on that. There was no finger on the pulse of that. And then that resulted in what it was. If the plan was great, trade Montgomery, swap him out for Montas, put Herman in the rotation for the time being and build up Clark Schmidt, do I think that the, that's the worst idea in the world? No, but it's not particularly great. And then you're leaving yourself susceptible for injuries. And then you're just 
creating a cycle that you don't need to. Now, instead of having Schmidt in the bullpen where he was valuable as a multi-inning guy, whether you think that that was his role or not, that's a discussion for another time, however, you're taking from the bullpen, adding to the rotation, and then having to add back to the bullpen, and you're just creating a bunch of unnecessary moves that don't have to happen. Um, Puts things in flux, changes people's roles, uh, puts you in a stretch like you just were in. I think it was what, there were four and... 14 to start August or some shit four and 15. Yeah. Well, you did that to yourself. So, okay, great. Maybe the Yankees didn't take August seriously, but guess what? There's still moving parts in place that need to be put together for September. So you set yourself back probably six weeks. I don't think that's good managing of a team of a roster when that's your job, but Hey, could be wrong. Could all actually come together when the postseason gets here and you could smack me across my face, but I don't think that the Yankees are smart enough to put themselves in this kind of situation um, and make themselves susceptible to bad play, to criticism, to, you know, uh, a poor headlines, the media grilling them and all that. So the, the team is not built this for watching the captain. This team is not built for that. You know, you watch the captain, you see that the collection of personalities and players they had Jeter was the leader at 20 fucking four years old, completely different story. That team can handle the media. That team can handle the bullshit. This team can't. Watching the all the tweets come in saying that the Yankees pitchers were all excited and watching Jordan Montgomery finish his 99 pitch shutout on Monday. Like, that's all you need to know. They're yeah. still in the locker room thinking about Jordan Montgomery, and obviously they're happy for their friend. But you don't hear, you know, how many tweets have you seen that's like the whole Yankee locker room was watching Joey Gallo's at the present scoring position in L.A., yeah. bro? How many tweets are like, oh, the Yankees were wrapped with attention at Andrew Heaney's shutout Wednesday night? None. Zero. Jordan Montgomery still had friends in the locker room. You don't keep people on your roster because they have friends, but you don't tear someone away from the roster that leaves the rest of the roster feeling wronged. That's not what you do. Your consideration isn't like, and I wrote about this, how the Yankees lacked humanity because his, you know, his fiance or, or wife was about to start a medical program in the city and then upended her plans entirely. That story was not, the thesis wasn't the Yankees should you know, concern themselves with everybody's spouse's medical school history before making trades. It's just about, you know, you don't inform him a week, four days before that, hey, we're not going to trade you, but we're having conversations. You know, your spot here maybe isn't as secure as you're thinking. So plan for the worst. They didn't tell him to plan for the worst. They told him nothing. And they didn't tell the teammates to plan for the worst. They just said, hey, Jordan Montgomery's not on this team anymore, by the way. So it's a lack of the human touch. They don't need to be making their roster decisions based on somebody's personal proclivities. And, like, you don't need to re-sign people because they say they want to hang out with their friends. But if somebody's about to get their life upended, you don't want to be the team that has the reputation for, you know, ripping that out from under them or, or gutting them at right at the horn at the buzzer or trading yeah. Montgomery at – uh, 554 Eastern time or, or whatever. That's just the reputation that you don't want. Uh, Michael says Aaron Boone's going to be on the Michael K show at three to let us know how long Nestor is going to be out. Uh, here's an impression of what that's going to sound like. Uh, yeah, Nestor, uh, you know, he pulled up, he felt a little something, uh, you know, we, uh, we're, uh, we're valuing every day. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> you just don't know Hey, a lot. Uh, this is a world where stuff happens. And we just, he felt a little something then. It's right in front of us. 
It's right in front of us. And we need it. It's right in front of us. No, he's not going to tell us anything. That is going to give you no information. I, I appreciate that you think Aaron Boone's probably going to tell us about Nestor Cortez. But I think the charade's going to be kept up for a couple more days here, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll tune in. I'll listen to Aaron Boone, though, and see what he has to say. Yeah. Um, that is it for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. All the same places you get the Michael K Show, you can find us. Uh, we stream live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays. And Thursdays, uh, that's 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays. We'll also go live if there's necessity for going live. Something crazy happens. Uh, watch along with us. We'll tweet. We'll live tweet these games all out on the West Coast. These are 930-930-907-407. Otherwise known as normal times for baseball. Yeah, super normal. Can't wait for that. JP Sears is tomorrow night. If you want to go out and party on Friday instead of watching the Yankees, it's a Friday night, so it probably won't be on at the bar because it's Amazon Prime. Another very cool thing the Yankees are doing. You just cannot watch them play on Friday night. Not going to happen. Never going to happen. Until then, though, please feel free to listen to our back episodes, back catalog, and listen to this one again. Maybe here's something you missed. Maybe you weren't here when we were doing the Oakland Upper Deck uh, blow joke segment, and you you hear me saying that now, and you're like, man, I would really love to go back and scrub through and get that. I would, too, my man. I would, too. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. You can find us in our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. You can talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyardfs. Um, a lot of discourse there, a lot of content up on yanksgoyard.com. Let's have a good time, folks. Let's take care of business on a West Coast road trip that's kind of teed up for us. It's kind of right there. Come on, boys. We can do it. Positive reinforcement this weekend and into next week. I'm feeling it, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yes, we will. We'll see you then. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.